What's going on, Phillies Nation? Welcome on into another episode of Phillies Talk. Of course, I'm your boy, El Parcero Philly, the uniter of all things sports and culture here in the beautiful city of Philadelphia. Today, of course, we're going to give you guys a bit of an update of what is going down with the MLB lockout. Uh, I'm going to preview for a little bit. It's not looking good, so stay tuned for that. Of course, we got the Universal DH, which is definitely some big news. Um, and, of course, we will be discussing uh, some other news and notes. We do have some players, some Phillies players, down in Clearwater, not the 40-man roster, but we will discuss what is going on there and everything that has to do with your Philadelphia Phillies. Before we dive into today's Phillies talk real quick, ladies and gentlemen, if you are enjoying this content, please do me that solid. It really would mean the world to me if you guys could hit that like button. And, of course, if you are a Philly sports fan, consider joining in the family by subscribing to the channel. Don't miss any of this Philly sports action. And, of course, you can find all of these recaps, these live videos, wherever you stream podcasts from Apple, Google, and Spotify. You can find it under Oi in Philly sports. But I thank you so much for joining on in here today. So let's get straight to it, ladies and gentlemen. So... Um, it's been what, like three over almost four months now that we've been in a lockout here with Major League Baseball. Uh, the the plan was today, Thursday, February 17, 2022, that both the MLB PA and the MLB, the, the owners, the player association would meet up and have another meeting to finally close this out, get to an agreement with both sides on a collective bargaining agreement. And I'm not kidding you guys when I'm saying this. Um, they met today on Thursday, and the meeting lasted all but 15 minutes. Yeah, 15 minutes. Like, I, I'm like baffled. It, it, this meeting took 15 minutes, and they could not get into agreement. Both sides left without reaching an agreement. And you guys should put two and two together. They didn't come up to an agreement, and the meeting lasted 15 minutes. So pretty much things are going nowhere, all right? Um, and this is just continuing to be a terrible, terrible situation for both sides. And really what it seems like the main thing that they can't agree upon that is so touchy is um, the young players pay, uh, the arbitration period. And it, they really cannot come up with an agreement with that. And it really feels like that is what's really holding up all these discussions. Look, the fact of the matter is, I'm. Uh, you guys know me and my stance when it comes to these type of things. I'm always going to side with the human beings. I'm going to side with the young players. They are the ones that are putting their bodies out on the line day in and day out for 162 games, uh, you know, nine months of the season. It's it's a lot. These guys are talented players. They deserve to be paid as they should be. Um, there was a, a player, minor league player for the San Diego Padres who posted a, a, a post on TikTok, I think, and then it got shared out on Twitter. Uh, of his annual salary playing in the minors for the San Diego Padres, $11,000 in a year. $11,000 in a year. That's very, very minuscule if you guys kind of think. Now, look, he's probably like a single or double-A guy, probably not making a lot, but still, like, it's not what we're talking about. We're talking about some of those younger players who are bounced between AAA and, and the majors, um, some of those higher echelon players. But it is an issue. These guys literally living paycheck to paycheck. Um, and some minor league systems, they make the players have to pay for their their living situation as well. So it could be very difficult for a player at a young age to fight for their dreams when financially it's hard. you don't have a lot of backing. So it, it, it is a serious situation. But at the end of the day, 
Look, this lockout could end tomorrow if the owners really want, if Rob Manford really wanted this lockout to be done tomorrow, he has the power to end it without a collective bargaining agreement in place. Um, but right now the owners are using this as leverage. As you guys all know, the owners are the boss of Rob Manford. Whatever the owners want, he has to apply with because, again, he is their boss um, or they are his boss. And so this is why we're still in a lockout. This is why it doesn't seem like we're anywhere near the end of this lockout. And it is going to continue until we get to an agreement, really. And the it seems as if the deadline for this, dead, this lockout is February 31st. They believe they can get a deal done within that time. So we essentially have a little less than two weeks for this to get done. They have an, they're eyeing for a start of the season on March 31st. And look, if that is the case, I don't think so. Look, we're talking on February twenty or February seventeenth. Both sides spent fifteen minutes and yet could not get an agreement. That should tell you everything. Like we're we're I think we're farther than we actually anticipate of an agreement from both sides for this collective bargaining agreement. So I just don't see how we are going to start in what Rob Manfred's timetable seems to be. And and look, if it does happen, then. It, once this deal gets done, it is going to be an absolutely mad scramble. You, you're going to have all these baseball teams, agents, players, ownerships, or front offices, I should say, trying to get players signed, trying to get all these trades done, trying to get players down into spring training. Um, obviously, Florida and Arizona really been hurting with spring training not starting on time. I believe Arizona, some of those fields where some of those West Coast teams practice in are potentially suing um, Major League Baseball because I think there's like a con uh, there's a contract where these teams have to play a certain amount of games down there. Uh, COVID is a different story. And, I, and if you guys remember back in the COVID when, when it started happening, there were teams already down there. So uh, this is an absolute mess. It, honestly, this whole situation is an absolute mess. And once this agreement happens, I do think it'll happen. I do think we'll have a season. I know I've seen a lot of people uh, worried that there won't be a baseball season in 2022. I fully expect there to be a baseball season. I think it's more so of a question of how many games are we going to be playing in 2022? Because right now it, it seems like it's going to be less than 100. And if that's the case, look, I, you guys know me. I, I want less games. I don't think 162 games is, is necessary for a baseball season, but less than 100 is also not acceptable either. So it's looking like we're heading towards that direction, despite what Rob Manfred and company say. But we'll see uh, what comes about it. But it, we are really, really in danger of uh, having a, a really, really cut season. And um, really, um, this this lockout can really uh, continue, man. It, it really is. And baseball needs this to start more than ever because I, I put this put the stat out there today, and I'll sh I'll try to show you guys as well. Uh, if you look at the popularity of the of professional sports in America, of the team sports in America, that that doesn't include UFC or NASCAR or LGPA. I don't know what golf and tennis, what those leagues are called. But if you look at the popular American sports leagues that are team sports. Um, the NHL have now fallen as far as fifth in popularity in America. Now, I know for a lot of people, especially in the Northeast, that it's kind of hard to believe, uh, especially with how big hockey is in certain markets, especially in the Northeast part of America. Um, but I've been saying this for the last three years. The MLS is growing. It is going to be more popular, despite what some of the older heads may seem. Um, and right now, it has jumped the NHL. And 
I cover both leagues. I cover the MLS. I cover the MLB. I see what is going on in the MLS. I see what is going on in the MLB. And if we're being quite honest with you guys, as someone who loves both leagues, the MLS is doing all the right things to overtake the MLB. I do not see it ever being the MLS overtaking the NBA or the NFL. I think that is far out of reach for that league. But it is not far-fetched for the MLS to become more popular than the MLB. If you look at the fan base of the MLB in general, it is a, it is a lot older. And for some of the younger fans who are fans of Major League Baseball, it is because of the traditions that have been passed down from generations to generations to the younger generation. And some of the kids have grasped it. Some of the kids haven't. Um, and then when I look at the MLS, there it is a much younger uh demographic that is watching the MLS and there it's an enjoyable product the quality on the field is getting much much better you have some of these young talented kids who are performing here in this league and then going over to the pinnacle of the sport that is Europe and are performing as well so this is why it is important that Major League Baseball puts their puts their arrogance away Put some machismo away and get a deal done because you are in serious, serious danger right now of becoming irrelevant. I am telling you this, guys. Once all these boomers die off and, and, and you have a minuscule group of fans with the MLS growing the way it is, they will overtake. I'm, 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 this is not just me with a hot take. There is facts proving this, and I literally see this every single freaking day. So baseball Get your crap together. We need you back. We want you back. And more importantly, for yourselves, you need to be back. So let's hurry up and get this done, guys. Now, one thing that the Players Association and baseball were able to agree upon was the DH rule. And you guys know my thoughts on this. I absolutely love the fact that we have a universal DH both in the American League and the National League. And what I do find crazy is the amount of Phillies fans who are against the universal DH when you look at this Phillies roster and the way it is constructed, how can you hate having a DH? We literally are built like an American League team over the past couple seasons. We, quite frankly, need a universal DH. When you have guys like Reese Hoskins and Alec Bohm who are solid bats but cannot hit, and then on top of that, you have guys like JT Real Muto, Bryce Harper, star players who for right now you can put out on the field, but going forward, they, you know, JT signed an eight-year deal last year. Bryce signed a 13-year deal three years ago. They're going to be here for a while. And to think that Bryce can play at right field and JT gets to play a catcher for, all, for the duration of their contracts is a little far-fetched. So as a Phillies fan, I don't know how you could be against the Universal DH besides your, your traditions that you don't want to break or the whole strategy behind having a pitcher. Bat, I, I, look, that part of it. Look, I get the there is a strategy behind it, but it's not it doesn't mean that it's an entertaining strategy part of it. Um disguising a a cover 2 defense in football is a strategic move that is entertaining. Having a pitcher hit in the ninth slot who is batting little less than 100 is not entertaining, okay? I'm sorry, but there's nothing that you could tell me that'll change my mind. And I love this rule. I absolutely love that we have a universal DH. And as a Phillies fan, this is the this is best for the way our 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 our, our roster is constructed. And I think going forward, this is going to be better for baseball in general. Now, the issue being, we have way too many options of what we can run as a DH uh, with the, with the DH in our lineup now. 
that is kind of a uh, an issue for for me uh, particularly. Look, the Phillies have been one of the better power hitting teams over the past couple seasons. Um, but the problem is, if this team is not hitting for power, they're not really hitting for much of anything else. You know, th- this team is not one of those teams that you know will get a couple singles and then bring some guys in. They struggled at times throughout the past couple seasons of bringing guys in f- uh, in scoring positions. And to me, uh, that th- this is part of the problem with the Phillies as well. As much power as we have in this lineup, you also have to do the dirty little things as well. Just getting a batter in at third base with 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 uh, with two, with one out. Right and man on first and third, bringing a guy in, I, th- I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Like we gotta we gotta convert on those scoring opportunities, and the Phillies have struggled at times doing that as well. And of course, I don't need to discuss the 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 lack of defense that we've had, especially last year was atrocious. Um, and of course, an historically bad bullpen over the last two seasons. So uh, overall, I'm so excited for the designated hitter, and I cannot wait to see what. And this is great for Joe Girardi. Joe Girardi has, I think he's bet he manages better when he's got a, a DH in there. And maybe we won't see as many switchings uh, and as many substitutions that he has done over the past couple of years. We will definitely see. But guys, in the comments, let me know how you guys feel about the designated player. Let me know if you're for or against it. If you want to let me know why, definitely let me know why in the comments below. But um, I want to discuss, obviously, right now in Clearwater, although the Phillies are not down there, we do have uh, the minor league system down there right now. Um, we er, anyone who is part of the Philly system that is not on the 40-man roster is down there. So yes, Bryson Stott is down there with the rest of those prospects that the Phillies have, and it's a little heartbreaking. Um, it's cool to see guys in Phillies uniforms out there practicing and getting ready for the season, their minor league s- season. But it kind of hurts because Bryce is not down there, JT's not down there, Reese, Zach, Aaron—they're all not down there. And because of this lockout that's hindered that, you know, we could be talking right now. And this is the time of year. Super Bowl's over. Uh, we're waiting for, like, the NBA playoffs. We're just waiting for the NHL season to end as Flyers fans, right? Uh, MLS season right around the corner. But at speaking about baseball, getting excited about uh, baseball spring training, pitchers and catchers arriving, seeing the team packing up the bus or the truck and getting ready to drive down the Clearwater, that gets everyone excited and we haven't had that yet this year, but obviously we were able to see that the guys were down there, the minor league players were down there, and uh, I, I am going to try to watch the minor leagues this year with a close eye. Um, there's a couple articles out there. The Athletic, Philly Inquirer have great articles on the new player development coach, um, Preston Mattingly. Um, if you guys don't know him, he comes from the San Diego Padres. We have done a solid job of building a solid farm system down there over there. Um, which has, you know, resulted in players like, you know, Fernando Tatis, who's been a really great baller. But I like what I'm hearing from Preston. You know, it seems like Preston's the type of guy who's no nonsense. He really just wants to work and wants to do things the right way. He's just really right now trying to get everyone on the same page, and it's definitely going to take some time. But it is interesting to hear him speak about this farm system. He does believe that there are there is a lot of nice talent down there and I'm just you know the way you know us Phillies fans when we hear that it's like us it's like the Flyers fans like when you hear uh, Chuck Fletcher and Danny Breer saying that we're a couple of pieces away from competing you kind of have that same feeling when Preston's saying that but look I, I just think that when it comes to the farm system number one I feel like we need to give these guys 
a, a specific assignment, specific responsibilities. Like the way you handled Spencer Howard, I think Alec Bohm you could put in that category as well, or Scott Kingery is a perfect example as well. Bringing them up, bringing them back down, bringing them up, bringing them back down. They just feel confused, and that really hinders on their development. And just giving them a specific thing, like, look, Bryson, this year we're going to bring you up. You're going to get an opportunity to compete. So leave them up there. Do not bring them back down. Bring them up there. And to be quite honest with you guys, I, I'm, I'm excited for what Preston could do because he's got the track record to do it. And, and, and honestly, this farm system can't get any worse. But what I'm excited for is seeing Bryson Stott up here. I've heard all the hype. I've seen some of the clips. It is absolutely fantastic. However, though, I'm not too excited because we've seen prospects come up here and dazzle. Uh, Adam Hazley is another great uh, example as well, how, how excited we got with him. Um, the fact that we had... Uh, now, Mickey Moniak never really showed that promise, but when you have a number one overall pick who has yet to be able to become an everyday center fielder in the Major League Baseball, that is a problem as well. Now, is, was he overhyped in 2016? We don't know, um, but it's just unfortunate that he hasn't been able to uh, to develop. 2016 was a really bad year for draft. We had three number one overall picks, Ben Simmons, Carson Wentz, Mickey Moniak, and none of them have panned out in Philadelphia, at least yet. We're still hoping, we still have a lot of hope for you, Mickey. You can do it, man. Come on, man. Uh, but no, so but Bryson, in all honesty, has a really good shot here of making this team, or I think he's going to make the team, but more importantly, being that starting shortstop day in and day out. I really don't see the Phillies once the lockout's over and you're able to sign players, I really don't see the Phillies going out and making a deal for a shortstop. When you have the needs in the outfield and when you have the needs within the pitching staff, more importantly, the bullpen, I don't see them going out there and spending big money on on, on a shortstop. I could see them maybe signing another utility infielder possibly, um, one that might be have a better bat than Johan Camargo. Camargo, to me, I feel like we brought him in for more so of the, the glove than the uh, than the bat, so we'll see what they do there. But Bryson has a real opportunity here to uh, take the job away from DD Gregorius. I, I think that going into this year, I'm fine with giving DD an opportunity at the beginning of the year, but I don't have a lot of confidence that he can ball out and get back to uh, at least give us something, right? At least give us give, give us a solid bat. Like the the bat last year at north toward the tail end of the season really fell off, and him blaming his bad season on the COVID vaccine. I thought that was a really big cop-out, if I'm being quite honest with you guys. Uh, so the shortstop position is really open. And to be quite honest with you guys, we haven't had a solidified shortstop since J-Roll, and that's pretty damn bad. We need to find that solidified shortstop. And if Bryce's stock can be that guy, we're in, we're in good business, guys. We're definitely, definitely in good business. So let me know how you guys feel about about the shortstop position. What should the Phillies do? Obviously, that's a big question mark here going into the season. It's an important position. You need definitely need a good shortstop that can obviously man that position, but also bring in that bat as well. So uh, we will see there. But that's really all there is right now, guys. Um, we'll, of course, we'll keep continue doing Phillies talk as these weeks go by. Hopefully, in the next two weeks, by the 31st, Rob Manfred and, and baseball uh, hold their word and are able to get an agreement done by then and we could start talking about getting into the season but for right now uh, we'll, we'll keep you up to date with the lockout we'll discuss whatever there is with the Phillies but of course in the comments below let me know guys what you guys want to talk about uh, as far as the Phillies go going forward into the offseason that's going to do it for today's Phillies talk guys seriously thank you so much for tuning on in if you guys enjoyed the content do me the solid and hit that like button and of course if you are a fan of the Phillies or Philly sports 
Make sure you guys join the family by subscribing to the channel for some more Philly sports content. All these all these game recaps, all these videos get rebroadcast in podcast form. And you can find that wherever you stream podcasts from Apple, Google, and Spotify. You can find that under Oi in Philly Sports. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, I go by name Ed Parcero Philly, and I'm telling you guys, let's go Phils. I'll talk to you guys soon.